Welcome to a Biblical Perspective Podcast, where God's point of view matters. I'm your host, Prophet C.T. Johnson. Join me as I boldly and unapologetically address the church's stance and position regarding an array of subjects and topics using the Word of God as the frame of reference. Are you ready? Let's hear what God has to say. Honestly, I find it oddly ironic writing a book about womanhood because so much of being a woman in leadership is making others forget that you are a woman. Womanhood is complicated, but not for the stereotypical emotional reasons. Women are to be powerful, but not too powerful, unless a man will not want to marry you. Be smart, but not too smart, that others feel intimidated. Do not be ugly, but don't be too pretty either, or other women might be jealous of you. And of course, don't be a wallflower. However, being the center of attention is frowned upon too. And let us not forget about the stigma of the single life. These mixed signals can quickly produce an identity traffic jam in anyone's life. And if that is not complicated enough, adding apostleship to the mix is a controversy all by itself. Well, welcome to A Biblical Perspective. I am excited about today's podcast because for this episode, I have a very special guest. This woman of God is dear to me, dear to God and to the kingdom. The excerpt that I read just a moment ago is taken from her book, Diary of a Woman Apostle, Part 1. The Warfare of Womanhood. That's our topic for today's podcast, The Warfare of Womanhood. Who am I speaking of? I'm speaking of none other than my apostle's sister, in which I affectionately call her apostle, Ashley Clater. Now, before I allow her to greet you in just a few moments, allow me to officially introduce her. Known for her tell-it-like-it-is pragmatism, Apostle Ashley Clater brings the classic, incisive, agile, and eternal wisdom of a contemporary apostle. Apostle Ashley has been a praise and worship leader for 19 years and an executive assistant to Dr. Paula Price for 16 years. Her education includes a B.S. in drama, television, and film from Oral Roberts University, Leadership and Ordination through Everlasting Life Bible and Prophets Institute, and a Ph.D. from Numa Theological Seminary in partnership with Kingdom Assembly Embassy University. Apostle Ashley's strength areas include leadership and guardianship, praise and worship, team establishment, development and recovery, armor training and development, and soul healing and deliverance. This woman is smart, she's intelligent, and she's very productive for the kingdom as you can see and hear by her bio. Apostle Ashley brings a refreshing sense of humor with her two-dimensional training, which is geared toward advancing both the leader and their team members. A biblical perspective, family, without further ado, I'm so excited about this particular discussion and guess my apostle sister and friend, Apostle Ashley Clater. Say hello to us. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> there we go. We had to bring you in with a round warm of applause. <laughs> you know, I love sound effects. 
I know. I know you do it. So do I. That's why we click. And for so many other reasons. But say hello to our biblical podcast family. Greet us in your own way. And then we're going to dive into this powerful and insightful discussion that we have scheduled for our listeners on today. Well, uh, hello, and it's an honor and a privilege to be on uh, this podcast, this episode of the podcast. Such a relevant subject, biblical perspective, biblical exploration. Um, it's something that is a hot button for me in every area in working with our teenagers in mm-hmm. our church. It's all about the Word of God and what is God's mind on the matter, not just uh, what are we supposed to get from it, but what did he have in mind when he said it or wrote it or did it? So thank you for having me on. I look forward to tonight's discussion. Well, thank you for accepting and being with us. And I, too, am excited. Listen, I need for you all to pull close to your electronic device because today's episode, today's discussion with Apostle Ashley is going to be empowering, enlightening, and humorous because we both have a humor bone. And uh, so you'll experience that side of us. However, you will hear what the Lord has to say. Now, we're going to discuss the subject matter or dialogue from the subject matter, the warfare of womanhood. And as I stated in the beginning, this thought or this topic for today's episode derived from Apostle Ashley's book, Diary of a Woman Apostle, Part One, The Warfare of Womanhood. So, Apostle Ashley, just give us a brief synopsis of what the book is all about. This book, which is really a booklet because it's super thin and really tiny, almost the size of a pocketbook. Mm-hmm. is about addressing what the the what the title says the warfare of womanhood not from the perspective that most people think um it's to give insight beyond the obvious it's to also open up the eyes of men brothers uncles fathers to even understand what their daughters wives sisters aunties grandmothers are going through as women from society from family, mm-hmm. dealing with that identity crisis and really where it comes from and, how, and, and and addressing how sometimes people contribute to your warfare and mm-hmm. they don't even realize that's what they're doing. Wow. Now, let's discuss for a few seconds that word, that term warfare, because, mm-hmm. of course, me being a military man, for those of you that don't know my occupational professional background is military 20 plus years air force. So that's one of the reasons the title intrigued me was due to that word, that term warfare. So why did you choose that word, that term to bring awareness to the challenges? We'll say it in that manner that women particularly in ministry, in leadership from the ministerial aspect go through. And that's what we're going to deal with, listeners. We're going to deal with uh, the challenge, the warfare, as the book says, regarding womanhood and or women in leadership. So tell us why you chose that term. 
Okay, that's a great question. Warfare, the term warfare is uh, attached to engaging in or the activities involved with war or conflict. When Mm -hmm. you study mental health, it's dealing with the conflict within people, those who are struggling with their mental health. They have that mental warfare. And so warfare is attached to the conflict that we're facing and the activities that are connected to it. Uh, There were so many other words I think uh, that I could have used, but you really are in a battle every day. Now, even more because of the gender pressures and insanity that is being ramrodded down people's throats Mm -hmm. from the time children are in preschool all the way to the Olympics. And so, I mean, there's a level of relevance to this now that was not even in existence on the forefront to this extent Correct. when it came out a couple of years ago. Right. Well, let's dig our heels into this, the warfare of womanhood. I love that explanation. Um, there are some that would say, <laughs> what warfare? What warfare are women engaged in? What what challenges? What what opposition? What is it that you're talking about, especially in regards to leadership? Because, of course, there are a plethora of thoughts, opinions as it pertains to women in ministry. And when we say ministry in this instance, we're talking about women preaching, declaring, heralding the word of God, women being the voice piece, the, 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 the voice of God, the heracle of God, uh, heralding rather the word of God and declaring the oracles of God. So just want to make sure that you understand listeners what we mean when we talk about ministry, because again, mm-hmm. there are many who have various opinions, various thought processes, in regards to women in ministry from that aspect, they have a problem. They have an issue with a woman preaching. They have an issue with a woman apostle. God forbid a woman apostle What in the world. So My we're gonna, Lord. yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that, but then they're okay with women in ministry from the aspect of hospitality, ushering, yeah. uh, nursery, working with the youth, things of that nature. So we're going to start there. One, of course, we want to we want you to share some of your experiences uh, as a woman in ministry and a commission apostle, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, who happens to be biologically a woman. So we definitely want to hear your experiences and what you've encountered personally from that perspective. Uh, But before we get there. Why do you think, not just men, I almost said, why do you think men have issue with women in ministry? But there are some women who have issue with women in ministry. So first, share with us why you think that is, and then uh, provide us with scriptural support or scriptural precedence that supports you being in ministry as a woman apostle, a woman preacher, because obviously, uh, well, answer all those questions I just said first. (laughs) 
Lord have mercy. Because <laughs> I gave about 15. <laughs> so before I give you the 16th, <laughs> I'm going to allow you to answer those and then we'll move on. Well, you're so considerate. Thank you. Okay, starting with uh, why people in, we're just going to say Christendom. Okay. This is not everybody, but in general, doctrinally speaking, the doctrine of Christianity, not scripture, but doctrine says Mm -hmm. men should be in charge, women should serve. Right. Which is why we have people are okay, like you said, being in hospitality, Lord knows you're going to be a church mother. (laughs) Right. Okay. Church. Right. Because the men are the leaders. So we don't even have church fathers. We just have church mothers. Wow. And once you have elevated to a certain status and you're like 90 years old, we're going to make you a church mother and you should be proud of that. Right. Uh, We have, we're going to send them out as evangelists, even though we actually don't send the women out as evangelists, but we just give them the title. I'm an evangelist in Mm -hmm. the church, Mm -hmm. not going overseas, not leading anything in the organization. Like you said, hospitality, maybe deaconess. Right. Hey, yeah. Deaconess. Deaconess. We're going to let you seat people. <laughs> or a missionary. And maybe. That sits on the front row. Maybe pass the plate. They're a missionary right. that sits in the front row. And Wearing of course, white. you're always welcome to join. Got to wear white. Yeah. Always welcome <laughs> to join the choir. Mm-hmm. You probably won't lead the choir. Right. Unless you're the lead soloist, but you'll be in the choir and play the piano. Outside of that in ministry, so people are fine with females being in the mix as long as you're not in a leadership, leadership position. Role. Right. This is when we start getting into the conflict of, of that because we have separated and really extrapolated. We don't even read all the passages correctly about dealing with women being quiet and mm. all these things. Paul was addressing wives with their husbands. Well, talk about that. Go ahead and be an apostle on a biblical perspective. All right. Let me be the the apostle. When you read the language, when you study it out, and when you do your homework, we're we're both under Dr. Paula Price, the chief apostle. And she has hammered this thing. Bell for Dr. Price. Ring the bell. Bell for Dr. Paula A. Price. Ring the bell. The chief apostle. All right. We're back. We're back. Okay. We're back. (laughs) Thank you for allowing us to take that detour. Yes. She has addressed this extensively and done the homework. We have a phrase in our organization, do your your homework. homework. Exactly. When you read the language and you do the history, you find out that when, when Jesus hit, Holy Spirit hit, everybody got free. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when people get free, they can get a little out of order, a little excited. And so there was just things breaking out. So Paul was addressing husbands and wives also according to their culture, which is still very much the same today. Mm-hmm. We are Gentiles. Right. And so he was dealing with the Jewish people. Paul was called to the Gentiles, Peter to the Jews. But in all of this, and when you read those passages at the end, he starts talking about childbirth, mm-hmm. bearing children, mm-hmm. submitting to your husband. Right. But in the end, he's like, but if, in essence, if this causes a problem, then no such law exists. So if you're in a place that rolls that way and everybody's fine, fine. Right. If it's causing a conflict, then we're not even going to deal with it. 
And so we don't read scripture the way it was written. written. We read scripture the way we've heard it preached. Right. It's very true. And this is uh, something Dr. Price has taught us. She said, yeah, but you read the word the way you've been taught it. Very few people actually read it the way it was written. written. Exactly. Or else, why and, and historically you see women in leadership? We have this mess in the church right now. You're talking about how women shouldn't be in leadership. This is under the leadership of men. Mm. Uh-oh. The mess we have now <laughs> is from the leadership of uh, men, men being in charge. We've lost our way. We have yes. people in pulpits who are not saved. Right, exactly. Every year we have preachers jumping up talking about, I've, I've lost my religion, I've lost my faith, I've mm. lost my hope in God, uh, committing suicide left and right, committing adultery, coming out of their ears, right, swapping right. people, gay folk. Every, this is under All of men's it. leadership. This is very And true. so the argument is that if you are male, then you are automatically qualified to be a leader. And if you are female, then you are disqualified or you have to prove yourself 10 times harder than the unqualified guy standing next to you simply because you're a female. Exactly. I love what you said. And you said so much, so much in which you said was powerful, was enlightening. And I'm pretty sure it got under the skin of some individuals, maybe. That That's all right. Listen to a biblical perspective. But if you, if you keep listening, you will get delivered. So, uh, but <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> one thing you said that was very powerful is that Dr. Price often says, again, people read the Bible, interpret the Bible, comprehend from the from from the perspective in which they were taught versus how it was written. And one thing we fail to realize is that there are many individuals that were taught the Bible incorrectly. And sometimes we think that if we were taught the Bible from church or we grew up in church, we were raised in ministry. And of course, what we have learned and what we know pertaining to scripture was taught from our leader, from our pastor. We assume that it was taught right because it came from the pastor, it came from yep. the bishop, it came from or across the pulpit. But that's not necessarily true. Unfortunately, there are many individuals that are not rightly dividing the word. And as I often say, yep. scripture is clear. Study to show thyself approve a workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, therefore indicating in that scripture that if you can rightly divide the word, then, of course, you can wrongly divide it. And so. Correct. And so that's where many are. They are holding fast to a doctrine, holding fast to a belief system, holding fast to a thought process and ideology that scripture was given to help develop that thought. However, the scripture was not rightly divided. They were taught erroneously. Hence, you have many, not again, just men, but you have some women that are against their own sisters being used of God in the capacity of leadership. So uh, before I segue into... War one, 
of the book. And we are going to definitely inform you, our listeners, how you can get your hands on your own personal copy of this powerful piece of literature, either electronically and or hard copy. But before we share that with you and before we get into uh, war one of the book, and I love how you titled it single satisfied and holy girl, please. Why aren't you married? (laughs) And when I read it, I could definitely hear you saying it in that manner. So is that not intriguing? So we're going to allow her to just go flow and just uh, share from that chapter or from that uh, uh, segment of the book. But before we do that, um, just what are your thoughts? In regards to what we've shared, anything you want to hone in on, anything you want to uh, beat, I guess I don't want to say the word beat, but uh, (laughs) anything you want to uh, highlight, highlight, hammer home, (laughs) exactly, in regards to what we've Uh, shared so far. Yeah, sure. We're where we are because of indoctrination. When you look up the word indoctrinate, a simple definition is to teach a person or group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. Wow. That's to indoctrinate. So everybody's indoctrinated about something. About something, exactly. How the, how the family operates. Everybody knows the family rules. School, the backyard, playground, um, and right on down to, of course, the church application. When we hear words like doctrine or indoctrinate, we as saints typically only think church, Mm -hmm. not actually that it is a process. Indoctrinating is a process, no matter what the subject you say, you're military, right? You are indoctrinated into the ways of military. Exactly. Exactly. It's first nature to you. It's not second nature to you. Right. You can just, I've had conversations with you. Boom, 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 rattle it off because you have accepted a set of beliefs uncritically Mm. and anything that you are critical of, you suppress, or you rein in, or you bring under, mm-hmm. under the authority of the institution that has indoctrinated you. Very true. Very true. So likewise with the body of Christ, and even on this subject, since we're talking about this and dating and mating, we've been indoctrinated to accept a set of beliefs about relationships uncritically. Meaning, we do it automatically, automatically. like it's a law. Yeah. We do it like it's a law. Well, you have to have a boyfriend by the time you're in, by the end of ninth grade in high school. Right. You have to have had your first kiss mm-hmm. by a certain time. You have to have gone out on a date. You have to go to prom and homecoming. All of these things are belief systems. They're not laws. They're belief, belief systems, systems. that it. people have bought into uncritically. And you know it because when it's time to push up against it, you have a lot of people who feel nervous. Right. Oh, I can't tell. What do you mean my kids can't go to prom? What do you mean my daughter can't have a boyfriend? I don't want to be the mean mom. I don't want to be the mean dad. Mm -hmm. That's how you know that our culture and church culture is just as bad as any other in this area is indoctrinated to it. They defend it. That's true. That's very true. It's defended. And so I just wanted to highlight that definition of indoctrinate to really pull the emotion out of it. This is an emotional subject. Mm -hmm. People don't, what they're told, don't think about your future. Feel Feel your way through it. Feel your way through. Feel your way through. But then on the flip side of that, when your feelings 
get you into situations that you have difficulty recovering from, then we uh, say, oh, well, you shouldn't have listened to your heart. You should have listened to your that's head. That's but right. you pick and choose based upon situation, based upon circumstance, whether you should be led by your heart and or led by your head. But I feel as though in every situation you should be intellectual. You should be led by uh, the the facts. You should be led by once you've done homework and done due diligence, making sure that you have uh, scrutinized every aspect uh-huh. of the possibility. Therefore, when you make a decision, it's informed versus emotional. And I love that part of the definition. Read that definition again for indoc- indoctrination. Read it once more because I want to hone in on a particular word that's within the the definition. Okay. It says to uh, teach a, because it's a verb, indoctrinate is a verb, so it's mm-hmm. an action. Mm-hmm. Teach a person or group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. There we go. Uncritically. Hey. Uncritically. Yes. Now let's just yes. put a few more coins in the meter and, okay. <laughs> and park right here. Uncritically. When you... And I had read the definition before, but I haven't read it in a while. So when you read it to our listeners, when you said uncritically, the bell went off because we are taught not to be critical in regards to our decisions because critical has become a cuss word. It has a negative. We've attached a negative connotation to the word critical as we do the word judge or judging, we only have, we're only, we're one tracked in our understanding of those words. But to be critical is not necessarily being negative, but it is to make an informed decision, doing your homework. It's, 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 it's about you scrutinizing again every aspect of the option that you have been given. So before you make a decision, you are, you criticize it basically. So talk about that being critical or rather that uh, the uncritical aspect of being indoctrinated is, I forgot, read the definition again and then hone in on that word uncritical. Hopefully uh, you understand what the direction I'm endeavoring to go because we've been taught, Hey, just like you said, Feel your way through. If it feels good to you, do it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So when we're talking about indoctrinating, again, teaching a person or group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. When we look up what critical means, of course, you have the criticizing mm-hmm. side of it. And you know what? Sometimes that is warranted too. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, let's just say, since we're talking about relationships, somebody is approaching a person who is being pressured to get into a relationship with somebody who's abusive. Right. And people know it. We act like that doesn't happen. Right. That, that decision should be criticized. Very true. Very much so. That should be criticized. Some things should be criticized. Criticized. Um, Throwing young people into relationships too soon. I have a, a, I have, listen, I have fallen into (laughs) leading a singles ministry. Wasn't trying. (laughs) But about 10 years ago, 
Dr. Price said, you know, you have a passion for this, which I didn't realize I had a passion for, but bless God, that's why you have the right leader over you. Right. Because I would fuss. Like, I fuss about certain things. And when when you're fussing about something sometimes a lot, that's actually something for you to address. To address. Exactly. That might be something God is giving you to deal with. So she said, you should really work with singles. So I had something called the single life. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what the acronym stood for. It was, it was very fun back then. Can't remember today. But in that, it, it eventually revived itself a few years ago with single, satisfied, and holy. Okay. And I have maybe quarterly, maybe twice a year, a broadcast, live people there, live in a coffee shop mm-hmm. or and brought in through Zoom or whatnot. And um, we address different aspects of being single. This, this is all tied together, I promise. Right. Oh, and, I so, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... In my first one that I did, I broke out the statistics on dating violence, rape, uh, violence among teenagers, uh, teenage relationships, domestic violence among teenage relationships. It's frightening Mm. how many, uh, especially girls, are abused by boys, but there are some pretty nasty females out there that will beat a man in a minute. Oh, yes. And so those statistics are frightening. The divorce rate in the church and the world, ridiculous, and really putting up, doing a critical analysis of the institution Mm -hmm. because we just assess the situation. I I don't want to be alone on the holidays. I don't want to go to the movies by myself, but we don't actually assess, you could tell who I work for, all right, (laughs) the entire institution. So other definitions I have pulled up here of critical also mean expressing or involving an analysis of the merits and faults mm. of a work of literature, music, art, etc. Mm. So here we go again, expressing or involving. So we're talking about when we say critical thinking, mm-hmm. uh, critically minded, an analysis of the merits and faults. So genuine critical thinking is saying, pro, in other words, pros and cons. Right. Right. What are the pros of this? What are the cons of that? Right. And and you do that weighing which decision you should make based on its merits or its faults. Wow. So it's tied to objectivity. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, It's just so much that's flowing through my mind, through my brain as you break (laughs) down uh, the definition and as you begin to hone in and highlight, underline uh, various aspects of this definition to help us understand uh, the importance of developing the skill of critical thinking in the corporate world, they actually teach you critical yeah. thinking skills, even in the military and in various other institutions. However, unfortunately, within uh, Christendom, we, as Dr. Price uh, says, uh, people are encouraged when coming to church, coming to Christ, that you detach yourself from your brain. You leave your brain outside of the uh-huh. four walls and you come in just uh, ready to uh, re- re- ready to, to, to move in an emotional manner versus an intellectual and or a cerebral manner. But when we learn to develop the skill of critical thinking and actually 
criticize our options, criticize opportunities, it would, will alleviate much of the unnecessary hurt, pain, uh, um, trauma that people experience that you don't necessarily have to experience if you learn to be critical about what it is you're getting ready to engage in, who it is you're getting ready to connect with, making sure that, as Pastor Ashley said, you have done your homework, that you have weighed the pros and the cons. So now we want you to know we're not lost. We both have been in ministry for uh, several decades between the both of us, probably 30, uh-huh. close to 40 decades. And so we are right where we need to be. We're flowing along wonderfully now. So let's transition somewhat. Um, and in case, hopefully you, those of you whom are listening, uh, a lot of what she said, especially regarding the, uh, the critical piece, when you're, when you fail to be a critical thinker, you open the door to circumstances and situations that you could have avoided. And so some warfare that people engage in really were uh, <laughs> right. unordained of God. You brought mm-hmm. it upon yourself. Now, I don't know if we want to go down that road, but I do feel a tug in that direction. But um, so <laughs> let's. Yeah, <go> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to behave, even though I guess I have a little leeway since it is my podcast. I can act up it just is your a little. Podcast, sir. But um, it is. <laughs> I'm going to behave uh, the best that I can. So uh, now let's let's let, let's move into War One this section of the book, single, satisfied, and holy. Girl, please, why aren't you married? So as Pastor Ashley said in the beginning of our podcast, there are many women, young ladies, let's start there, that are being groomed for marriage, being groomed for motherhood, being groomed for what society deems necessary as it pertains to the livelihood of a woman, the, uh, how can I say, uh, necessary for a necessary direction that a woman's life need eventually head down as far as marriage, as far as children, a homemaker, but we hardly have young ladies being groomed, prepared for entrepreneurship, for ministry, uh, to operate in roles and position outside of the domestic arena. Um, Now we know, I was about to ask you, why is that? And uh, I believe that part of it is culture, Um, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. And then let's deal with um, more so of women in ministry. And if you do ascribe to women in ministry and, or if you are okay with women in ministry, then that woman that's in ministry really is 
the supporter of her husband, who is the main person in ministry. She's the first lady. So that's her ministerial role. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move in that direction. Let him use you. <laughs> <laughs> I shall, sir. Okay. Well, in the, in the front of the book I have here, it says, um, we have a collective responsibility to, this is the portion in the back of a word from the author. Mm-hmm. And it says, we have a collective responsibility to heal one another, walk in godly integrity and recognize injustice veiled as heavenly doctrine. A woman's right to vote was ratified in 1920. And here we are at the time, 99 years later, still arguing if a woman should preach the gospel or wow. lead a ministry. Wow. We Again, this is still tied to indoctrin, indo- being indoctrinized, is that indoctrinated, is that when you're shifting a belief system that mm-hmm. is ingrained in society, mm-hmm. so women being subservient was a societal belief system, exactly. not just a church one. Right. We're talking about in the 1950s, in the 60s. Women couldn't buy cars in their own name. They couldn't get a house in their own name. They couldn't rent an apartment in their own name. They had to have their dad or their husband be on the lease, Mm -hmm. sign the paperwork. They couldn't get a loan. So this was all across, all everywhere, everywhere you turn, everywhere you turn. Now it's different uh, where, yes, are you going to have biases? You're always going to have biases. This is not heaven. Okay, right. and as we know, heaven wasn't perfect either. All this mess started up there. Yes, indeed. And so we're not going for even when people talk about equality, and these are notions to me that will probably never happen mm-hmm. because this is life under the sun. And I say in the beginning of the book, this is not a man bashing book. This is not a man hating book. Right. And you've gone right. through it, so you you know that. Yes, it's just addressing this issue as it is, as not it is. castigating. Anybody, you have men who are born into the same belief systems that we are. Very true. And uh, so now in this generation, we see women, entrepreneurs, presidents of companies, Mm -hmm. some of the most wealthy Fortune 500 and whatever other hundred companies run by women, nations run by women that are dominating. Doing a wonderful job. Yeah. And so we, we have to, we're still separating from something that was not a notion, something that was law. Right. You talk about with, with black Americans, what the laws were against black people. We can see that, but with women, Mm -hmm. the laws that were binding and locking down what women could do simply based on their gender, right? Not their merit, their gender, gender. Wow. The tide has certainly turned. I mean, look at where we are. I'm a woman. Ministry, uh, authority, leadership. I, I own my car, I, mm-hmm. and it's a nice car, and it's not some little push along. Right, it is. I've seen it. <laughs> it's a bless the Lord because it is easy to, and I'll say this as a woman: it's easy to criticize the past wow. when you don't understand the context. Like I'll hear women today say, "I would never." allow my husband to tell me that I can't work. I would never do what my grandmother did. And I have to tell them, but society, the law was against them. Right. This is not, uh, you know, women who needed to put their foot down 
and take a stand. I am woman, hear me roar, kind of thing. This was institutional suppression. Very true. Very true. And so the church is just behind the times in so many ways. I mean, in Tulsa, I've been in Dr. Price's ministry for 21 years. I've been in, uh, yeah, 21. Yeah, yes, 21 years. I've been in Tulsa for 22 years. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen if the husband dies in the ministry, mm-hmm. they might allow, in air quotes, the wife right. who helped build it, right. mind you, and literally build it, the infrastructure, not just the arm charm, because right. that's not building, that's it, just being cute. Exactly. Exactly. But the in, the infrastructure, they might let them stay in that position for a couple of years and then move in other people, uh, other men, um, the the kids who are not ready for the position mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or whatever. Do all these kind of things because they don't want a woman at the top, right? Even though they were one of the people who built it. Exactly. Exactly. You know that you utilizing that. Uh, scenario brought my mind to an actual real life situation that occurred several years ago. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the late apostle RJ Washington. Uh, He was the founder of Titus dome spectrum church, very unique name. Uh, However, he, the ministry was stationed in Florida. I can't remember. Oh yeah. So when he died, he had everything set up in regards to the church being led by his wife. He had everything set up in regards to the paperwork as it pertains to the business aspect. However, the board members of the board of directors got together mm-hmm. and, uh, rearranged some things, altered some things in regards to the paperwork and had the wife put out of the, the the role of pastor, basically put out of the church. And so yep. I just wanted to give a real life situation uh, to help our listeners understand that what you just shared is not hypothetical, uh, <laughs> but it yeah, no, sir. actually happens, unfortunately, um, because men uh, are still moving based upon that indoctrinated mindset of women not being capable of leading. And why is it that in some instances we're okay with women leading in the secular arena, in the corporate world? Cause as you mentioned, we have women who are uh, CEOs, CFOs, we have a woman vice president, uh, but in the church, that's that's where we ha- where we have issues breathing, where we start having heart palpitations <laughs> and things of that nature. But uh-huh. leadership is leadership, really, when you think about it, uh, right. from a you know general standpoint. We understand spiritually, it, it, there's greater dynamics to it, but generally speaking, leadership is leadership. So why is it you think that people are okay? They encourage women to lead in the secular arena, in the education arena, uh, but in the church, we start again having heart palpitations. Is it because of people having an erroneous understanding of the scriptures? 
in regards to what Paul did say, in regards to what he did teach. What are your thoughts on that? And then I really want us to get in before all of our time escapes into this uh, particular section of the book. But give me your thoughts on, on that. Well, the world is really not any more enlightened than the church. They just have laws set up that they can no longer keep us out. Wow. She said that the world <laughs> is, is <laughs> not we are, more we enlightened have than the church. In, yeah, wow. whether or not we have ascribed an enlightenment, they, <laughs> the law, the law of the land forced them, mm-hmm. forced corporate America, forced the world to accept women beyond roles of nurses and teachers. Right. So as a result, X amount of decades later, people said, huh. I guess some women really can't lead. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Oh, and then some of them had the nerve to get really wealthy and then they just brought their way in right. to the top. Right. We now, technology allows us to go around gender bias. You can actually, nobody can know who's, who's running your company. That's now, true. That's you just true. have the name out there. You have an online presence. You don't even need a store. You don't even need people. <laughs> you just have That's a true. product that people want. Put that bad boy up on Amazon and call it a day. And so technology and the law has been on our side. Mm. This hot mess that we still have in the church is because we don't have any laws to punish people for this secular bias or or, or sexual gender bias that we're facing. So you'll go to a church, they'll stop payment on your check because you're a woman. They will pay you half of an honorarium. Like if we both minister somewhere, well, people are afraid of Dr. Price, so they usually treat me right. But (laughs) if I wasn't under her, Please, you get one honorarium, I get something substantially right. less Absolutely because, true. hey, you're, you're a, a breadwinner and you have to take care of your wife and family, right. and I'm just a woman. A woman, yeah. That's true. And I, so even, go ahead. No, I was, I was just about to say, and, and not to mention that uh, in some instances, the woman uh, is more anointed, the woman's ministry is more effective, mm-hmm. uh <laughs> The woman's understanding of scripture, uh, grasp of the word of God is beyond that man. That woman, in some instances, is more mature and uh, all of that. But simply because her counterpart is a male, in some instances, he'll receive more invitations. Of course, honorarium yep. is higher, even though her ministry is more effective versus he is. And so I just wanted to put my sure. two cents well, in, in regards at, to that. Mm-hmm. Let's look at Dr. Paula Price. How many books has she produced that these male ministers are standing on? Their, their entire ministries, many yeah. of them, some of them, some were substantially built upon on her, her ministry. Upon never her invited into preach, never invited in to do whatever. If so, we're going to give you a this or that. Meanwhile, these other guys who some of them have been out for five minutes, mm. five minutes out of the womb of Jesus. Five, that's my baby. Five minutes. You five just minutes. got. You just were born. Just got born again. You just got born again. Again, five and minutes. You have a global platform on somebody's shoulders, and you have overlooked a lot of the women. Think right. about it like this: the rate of divorce is like what? It's up to like. 65%. Yes, it's ridiculous. Many people are raised in single parent homes. Majority, I will say, and I don't have the stats for this, mm-hmm. but I'm presuming by their mothers. So these women 
are capable enough to see to it that their kids get through school, mm-hmm. passing class, mm-hmm. grades in school, going to good colleges, being groomed and prepared for powerhouse careers. So they're smart enough for that. Right. In many households that I know, it's the women who run the money. Very true. Manage the house, yeah. the resources. The husbands are like, I got to ask my wife. Right. <laughs> because I don't know. <laughs> What's happening with right. she handles I make the, the money, but I don't. I bet, but she manages I it. I don't even it. Right. touch. I don't even know what's going on. So you have all of that, as long as it's not in a seat of power and authority beyond the domestic realm. Right. Wow. And so that's that's where we are. I mean, we see more women in leadership now in a church, but people would say, "Wow." I mean, first of all. I will not name the minister who came to our organization because everybody knows who this gentleman is. Mm -hmm. I will not name. They came and at the end of uh, the event said to Dr. Price, "Um, you know, I came to see what type of men and women. Well, he didn't just come for that, but to see because he was invited. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What type of men and women you have? Because female leadership, I wasn't sure. Now, Mm-hmm. Can't nobody make a man out of you quite like Dr. Price. <laughs> and so Isn't that the truth? He said, I wanted to see if the men were effeminate mm. or if they were beaten down mm-hmm. or if the women were masculine. Mm. And what was his shock? The men were men. Right. Strong. Yes. All men. Yes. The the women were who we are. Female, yes. soft, lovely, strong, mm-hmm. but soft, lovely, all right. prettified and Feminine. blinged out and all, you know, yeah. tricked out in our attire. And he was Lord. Mm. So we're even dealing with now, I can understand why he believes that because I've seen some female led ministries and I'm like, these brothers in here have more switch in their hips than a little bit. Indeed. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So I I know that there's a platform and a reason why people think that. I'm not ignoring that at all, but that's what we're fighting against. So you have men who say, I don't know if I could be under a a woman in church in ministry, but your mama raised you, right? And your grandmother? Mm. Well, yeah. And your wife just, well, yeah, brother, you've been under a woman your whole life. You understand? Yes. Yeah, but that's different. And so, because people, again, indoctrinated, not, they're accepting something uncritically. Uncritically. And it's not until they are challenged on their belief system that they have to say, you know what? That doesn't make any kind of sense that I have a problem with that. Right. Right. And you have to challenge some people to think in yes. regards to their approach, in regards to what they accept, in regards to what they ascribe to. They're just doing it, as you said, because they have been indoctrinated into it. And so they've been taught uh, to operate uh, uncritically. They don't they don't think they don't rationalize. They don't reason. They don't No. Uh, no, no, no. None of that. And they just do it because that thought process has been passed down. It's been perpetuated through their uh, from generation to generation. So, yeah, in, 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 in our last few moments, you're single, you're satisfied, you're holy. Yeah. Hey, girl, please. Uh, Apostle, why aren't you married? <laughs> <laughs> That's let's, a good let's talk about that question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Go ahead. I have had several opportunities to be married in my life. Um, starting with before I moved to Tulsa, I had met a guy 
uh, brother of a friend kind of thing, mm-hmm. older. He was about 10 years older than me. That was uh, like 19 maybe. Okay. And um, that just weirded me out at that age that somebody 10 years older than me would be interested in me. And I was still a teenager. Right. So, cause even then I had an interesting sense of righteousness. So I'm like, ah, now am I against marriages with large age gaps? No, I'm not because a lot of them work very well. That's true. Some I, I'll probably marry somebody older than me because I'm just old. <laughs> I'm old. Even though spiritually, <laughs> so folks, spiritually. she is yeah. very young chronologically, <laughs> biologically. So, She's well, talking spiritually. 42. So I'm 42 years old. And in the book, I say, you know, when you turn 30, people get concerned. Mm-hmm. You hit 35 as a female and men have the same pressure. Yes. Men are pressured. When are you going to yes, settle do. down? When are you going to start a family? Right. And then when you start a family, you better put your woman in the house. You better have, she better drive a nice car. Yes. I mean, what do you mean your woman has to put gas in her car? Where, where's the man? Where's the man? And so the pressure on men Absolutely. is just as intense as the pressure on women. Absolutely. Which is why men should read this book. Let me, let me say this little aside and then I'll get back to this. We in our youth group, I, I got um, from a Christian bookstore. They have all these shelves of clearance books. And so I bought, bought a whole bunch of books for a dollar. Mm-hmm. And um, I bought books for the girls about identity. And it's written by a woman who used to be America's Next Top Model contestant. Wow. And so she's writing. She's a Christian writing about her experience and how you're more than your looks, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Because girls need to hear that, especially at that age. Absolutely. And then I got a book for the boys written from one of the guys from Rascal Flats. He's a Christian and his experiences of failure and recovery and maybe in and out of prison or something. I'm not quite sure. So I passed them out. They're all really excited. I said, when you're done, we're mm-hmm. going to switch. Wow. We're going to switch. And everybody got really excited. <laughs> I said, because, and I asked them, do you know why? And they said, yeah, because we need to know the other opposite sex's experience right. and what they're going through, right. which is also why this book was written. So why am I not married? I am not married because I have not heard from God that these amazing men that I know that any of them are mine. Wow. Well, now hold, now hold, hold up a puzzle. Uh, God spoke to these men. He spoke to these men and told these men that you were. <laughs> yeah, their wife. he did too. Right. See, and here's what I say about that. Well, somebody has got to be talking to the wrong God. That's not going to tell about all four of you. <laughs> this is not that culture. Okay. Right, right. That I'm all four of your wives. Right. Uh, you're, you guys is wife. And so, um, there are things that I do know about my future. I was prophesied two years ago. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you this. When I was a kid, probably 12, I said, because my mom had been divorced at that time. She was remarried. Okay. And I said, I'm only doing marriage once. Now, I'm 12 years old. Just, <laughs> I'm only doing this once, and it better work. Right. <laughs> I said to God, I'm 12 years old. At 12. And I said, and if I have to wait to do it, then fine, because mm. I'd rather wait then be ripped apart, heartbroken, and Absolutely. have baggage. Absolutely. 12 years old. That's all I knew. That's all I knew. Right. I, I just don't. I don't want to do this. Little did I know. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so I knew, I know great men. I know great men. I, I've known great men. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be married to somebody else's husband. Wow. 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 Okay. I had to hit the bell on that. Now, <laughs> look. Um, we got a few minutes. We got to get ready to wind it down, but still, I, I may have to have you back for part two. Uh, That's all right. Because definitely this is good. Now say that again. You said you do not want to be married to someone else's to husband. To somebody else's husband. What do you mean by that? Help somebody. I Help mean, the listeners. 
Let me help the listeners. I mean, desperate people don't care who they marry just as long as they marry somebody, mm. which means they're probably wrong and they're marrying somebody who belongs to someone There's else. Someone else. Even if they haven't wow. met him yet. Wow. Somebody said to me, they asked me years ago about um, being faithful. Do you think you'll be a faithful wife? I said, I'm a faithful wife now. Mm. I'm not dating around. I'm not whoring around. I'm not slipping and dipping around. And come I don't even here. have a man. <laughs> come on here, Apostle. Come on <laughs> through. Come on through. This was to one of my guy friends. He was like, that is powerful. <laughs> I said, yeah. My, my. I'm, I'm faithful now. Can you be faithful to your spouse before you know who they are. Wow. wow. Can you? So most people know. Because see, the dating game, again, the indoctrinization yes. is you have to roll the dice. You have to play the field. You have to do all these things to dirty yourself, to break your heart 15 times, to have X amount of X's coming out of your past <laughs> and everything else. And it's like um, you have five kids from three or four or five dads. and Well, and I and I know people who do, and I oh, love yes. their children. Okay, right. but it's it's not the best way to live. It's not. And there is a more excellent way. Yes. And so I do not want to be married to somebody else's husband. And finding that out, mm, one year. Listen, some people know five minutes after they say I do. Mm, this is a mistake. I have a right. friend who got married. He said, "I knew when I said I do, I made a mistake." Mm. Wow. And it was his uh, third mistake because he was on his third mar- second second marriage. Wow. And it was for stupid reasons that he got married. Most A lot of people get married for dumb reasons. This is true. That's not a reason to get this married. I tell people, Prophet, I tell them, listen, don't get a man, get a dog. You want a pet. Right. right. Because you, you want, want somebody to love on you. Mm-hmm. So when you walk in the door, they about lose their mind right. and Excited nobody's going to lose their mind here. like a dog. That you're there and tail wagging right. and just love and jump in your face mm-hmm. and oh my goodness and all that fun stuff. You need a pet. And you know, somebody said to me, you know, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You don't need a man. Ex- you need a pet. And especially if you choose a man that you have to take care of, you might as well, well have gotten a dog. My God. You're going to call this man a dog anyway. Well, yeah, it, indeed. But <laughs> if, if, if you're paying his car note, yep. if you're buying his clothes, buying no. his food, you might as well have gotten a dog because that's what you're going to do when you are the owner, the pet owner, yeah. you take on all the responsibilities. So you might as well have gotten a literal dog. If you're going to come out of pocket and be the breadwinner and the provider and everything that uh, we're not supposed to be women, not saying, you know, that they can't provide for themselves, but when you enter into yeah. that role as a wife, you're supposed to uh, have the protection uh, the, the the provision of the husband, whereby you don't have to do all of that if you choose not to. Sure. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, when you have however the dynamic works, I know people who the dad is a stay at home. Mm-hmm. He cooks, cleans, takes care of the kids. The wife is the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. And that's the dynamic that works. But true to your point, it needs to be a partnership somewhere. Right. Right, exactly. To where exactly. this balance, <clears throat> whatever that balance is, because for each family, as you know, it's different. Very true. For one, it works. But that's why I'm not married. I'm not married because I know I have not met or God has not shifted, whatever, because I know so many people, um, the man that is for me mm-hmm. as ordained by God. Wonderful. I love it. And that's, 
important to me. Does that mean it's easy? Not always. Right. Well, let me tell you something. Most days I'm like, I'm good. And you know, the older you get, <laughs> the more set in your ways you get. That's true. That is but, true. But um, I also have quality, <laughs> excuse me, I also have quality relationships in my life. And that helps. Wow. 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 And wow. And normally I'm not lost for words at all. Uh, <laughs> of course, you know that uh, we can talk in, in to the fat all night long. Uh, but I'm telling you, this has been powerful. This has been empowering. This has been enlightening. I know you, our biblical perspective listeners have been blessed by this dialogue with my apostle sister, apostle Ashley Clater. And we're going to have her inform you in just a moment of how you can contact her, how you can interact with her, how you can um, receive the many ministry. Uh, the, what's the word I'm looking for? How you can benefit uh, from her ministry. Um, and she's going to share with you how you can contact her website, how you can get your hands on this wonderful book, this piece of literature that you need in your library diary of a woman apostle part one, the warfare of womanhood. And really we didn't even scratch the surface. Uh, so I'm going to do my very best to get her back right here <laughs> on a biblical perspective. So we can go further and deeper into uh, this particular section of the book, single satisfied and holy girl, please. Why aren't you married now? This may extend us another five minutes or so, but Hey, <laughs> I'm the host. So now you are satisfied. So you say, I'm going to play uh, devil's advocate now. Okay. Cause there are many people, women in this case, yeah. particularly I'm single, holy, I'm satisfied, but come on, Pastor Ash, are you really satisfied? Because <laughs> you know, and, and, and I would venture to say, you correct me if I'm wrong, that you have been asked that question. Are you really oh, sure, satisfied? You know, you, you, you're saying that you're just saying that uh, because that's the Christian response. That's the politically correct answer, as it were, for a single Christian, female or male. In, in, in that perspective. Uh, uh, so let's just talk about that for a few minutes. Then we, we're going to wrap it up. But I know the listeners don't want us to go anyway. I know it. So uh, are you really satisfied? Of course, it's a you know hypothetical question, but let's deal with that because there are many uh, people who are projecting uh -huh. a false persona, as it were, of being satisfied. But really, they aren't. They're upset with God upset with yep. themselves and all of that. So let's just talk about that for about three, four minutes, and then we'll really, oh. for real. How you going to uh, open up this can and talk about three or four <laughs> minutes? All right. Let me jump on two points on this. One, to be satisfied is simply to be content or pleased. Mm -hmm. Am I content? Yeah. Am I pleased? Yes, I am. With wow. my life, my decisions, I can say I have no regrets about my decision to remain single until I am sure that the man God has placed in front of me or in my life or in my peripheral or whatever mm -hmm. is the one that I'm supposed to marry. Wow. How do I know? Because I am not broken. I'm not busted down. 
I don't have uh, 10, 15, 20 years of baggage. Mm-hmm. I don't have ex-boyfriends. Mm-hmm. I don't have uh, children that I'm raising by myself or from multiple daddies, never been married. And there's a lot of things that I don't have as a result of my decision wow. that many people, most people that I know do have. Right. I know that if and when I get married, I'm coming into my marriage clean, clean from comparison. Yeah. There's nobody to compare you to. I love it. Exactly. My husband's not going to walk around thinking, oh, I hope that I satisfied her. I mean, we can have real talk, right? Oh, yeah, oh I hope course. that I hope that, you know, I, I'm the, the one I hope that I uh, he's not having going to have to think, man, I hope that I measure up to this right. ex-boyfriend who was able to do or this ex whatever. Right. Not sexually so, compatible, <clears throat> as it were. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of things that I'm not bringing into my future. That other people do. Again, that indoctrinization, that indoctrinated thinking really, really, really wants you to believe that your life has lost something. Right. Because you stayed single. Right. But it's it's maintained something. I went to the doctors. I had to go years ago, about 10 years ago at this point. I was having a problem. (laughs) And, um, you know, you fill out the form and the Mm -hmm. sheets and they want to know all of this other stuff, because it was in the female area. So you got to answer all those questions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is blank because, hey, never been there. Right. The doctor, she said, I wish I had more patients like you. Wow. Wow. See, the medical profession is going to tell you the truth. This is true. They certainly They're going to tell you, you, honey, just keep yourself until you get married. Just listen. Don't do it. Don't ever start. My friends in college were honest. They said, don't ever start. I wish I had never started. Right. Right. And so, um, but on the flip side of whenever women are crying and mad, now I learned this from Dr. Price. Mm-hmm. I cannot, certainly cannot take credit for these questions. When women come up and they're crying and I'm such and such age and I'm not married, mm-hmm. she'll ask them and I have learned to ask, have you ever been married? Some yes, some no. Right. Have you ever shacked around? Mm. How many men have you been with? See, I'm asking all the questions. Pertinent questions. Oh, apostle, apostle. No, no, no. Because yeah. see, you are charging God with being unfaithful. Right. But just like the woman in scripture, you you have had a lot of husbands. Yes. And, and the, the one, one you're with that now, you're with is not, it's yours. not your husband. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, I've had women who I wish I had kids. Did you have you had an abortion? Well, yes. Yeah. Oh, so you did have a child. Have a child. You flushed it down the toilet. Exactly. So let's get God off the hook. And uh, when I tell you, I have not talked to a woman who can say uh, maybe a few, Mm -hmm. maybe a few, Mm -hmm. like less than five, who can say they've kept themselves. They didn't run around. They didn't sleep around. They haven't had abortions. They haven't done all these things. And they're having a problem with God. Wow. Very few women have done that. And then some of them, they lie in, and you have to dig a little deeper to find out they did sneak around a little bit. Exactly. You have to pull on your mantle. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm telling you. And so I'll say, so So you did have your cake and eat it too. You right. put your cart before the horse, mm-hmm. and now you want God to act like that didn't happen. Wow. Wow. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring it to an end, but because... She is my apostle sister, and we serve and are submitted to the same chief apostle. I think I have enough uh, uh, repertoire. Repertoire. I think I have enough. uh, What's the word I'm trying to say? Repertoire? Not repertoire. No. 
Anyhow, I think I have enough relationship. I just oh, you got enough simplify. credit. I got enough credit. Yeah. Got enough relationship with Apostle Ashley. Well, yeah, I believe yeah. we can bring her rapport. back again. Rapport. rapport. Thank you. That's the word, That's the word. I was Glory. looking for. I think I have enough Woo. rapport to uh, have her back right here on a biblical perspective, so we can engage in further conversation and dialogue as it pertains to this powerful, powerful subject of the warfare of womanhood. Now, I know some of you probably thought that we were going to come to the defense of women, as it were, and and uh, and all of that. And we did somewhat, but this dialogue uh, was not just one dimensional. We talked about Apostle Ashley addressed many important subject matters as it pertains to womanhood in general, uh, not just defending the woman and uh, coming to their rescue, but also holding you accountable women holding you accountable as it pertains to uh, decisions that you have made as it pertains to circumstances and experiences that you brought upon yourself because you failed to be that critical thinker. And so I want to encourage you to make sure you download this episode, listen to it over and over and over again and share it with your sisters Share it with your daughters, share it with all the women, young ladies in your life that you know, because we're definitely uh, rather definitely there has been much said, shared and taught uh, during this time that will be very beneficial to them. So uh, I am so grateful to Apostle Ashley for being our special guest on today. Apostle Ashley, please tell our listeners how they can get their own copy of the book Diary of a Woman Apostle Part 1 The Warfare of Womanhood give them all of your contact information website social media outlets let them know how they can contact you uh, for uh, advisements and she will share with you what that is uh, prayer advisements uh, prophetic advisements if you are needing direction you're needing insight you're needing instruction Uh, she is truly an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, listen, if you need to hear from God, you need to connect with this woman of God and she will help you by the spirit of God to get where you need to go. So Pastor Ashley, take some time and share with us how we can get a hold of this book in touch with you in case we need help. <laughs> <laughs> I can throw you a line. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually um, changing my web address. It's going to be www.ashleycministries.com. Okay. Ashleycministries.com. A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H. The letter C. Ministries with an S. Dot com. From there, you can actually connect with all of the places that Prophet CT is talking about. You can go to my e-store purchase a hard copy of the book or an e-copy download of the book as well, Diary of a Woman Apostle. I also have other downloadable uh, trainings and classes and lectures on apostleship, on worship, on public speaking. I uh, groom and I'm a life coach. I'm an image coach. Quite a few side hustles. How how uh, apostolic, right? Indeed. <clears throat> and so even if you're not in Tulsa, we do Zooms and conference calls and things like that. 
as far as the prophetic advisements and prayer advisements, those are through prophetic ed. You'll also be able to get there from my website. I have a link that will take you right to the prophetic ed site. So if you want mentorship, life advisement, working through specific situations, if you want an ongoing subscription, you can sign up for that. If you just are like, hey, I just have this one situation or every now and again, then we have that option as well at Prophetic Ed Online. Um, and then there's just the other services and ways that you can connect on social media. I'm on Facebook. Ashley Clater is my page. Apostle of the Future is also my page, a separate page that I have my broadcast on Wednesdays, Apostle of the Future. I'm also on YouTube. You can put my name in in YouTube and pull up my channel there. So if you're not on Facebook, because I know we think the whole world is on Facebook, they are not. (laughs) You can still follow all my broadcasts on Friday nights at midnight or ish, midnight-ish, like (laughs) we'll see. I have In the Midnight Hour, where I do a weekly 30-minute prayer broadcast. I do a Bible study, and I take live prayer requests from all the social media platforms at once. I think that's it. Well, as you can see, she is a busy, busy, productive. That's the word that we prefer Ah, above busy. She is a productive woman, a productive individual for the kingdom of God. She is everywhere. And so all of what she stated in regards to her website link, social media links, all of that will be in our show notes. So all you have to do is go to the show show notes portion of uh, this episode and all of what she mentioned regarding her website or social media, all of those links hyperlinks will be in the show notes. And so all you have to do is click right from um, a biblical perspective and it will take you everywhere she is. So once again, I am so grateful to my friend, my apostle sister, Apostle Ashley Clayton, we are so, so, so very appreciative to you for being our guest here on a Biblical Perspective podcast where God's point of view is the only one that matters. We will be back with Apostle Ashley very soon. I'm not going to tell you when because we have to confirm her availability, but she will be back very, very soon. And until then, This is Prophecy T. Johnson. Know that I love you. Be empowered. I want to thank you for listening to a Biblical Perspective podcast where God's point of view matters with yours truly, Prophet C.T. Johnson. If you enjoyed today's episode, I invite you to rate and subscribe to the podcast at cpnshows.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about myself and C.T. Johnson Ministries International, visit the website at ctjohnson.org or text the phrase prophetic voice to 54244. And don't forget to connect with me on social media via Instagram and Twitter at CTJ Ministries or via the ministry's Facebook page at C.T. Johnson Ministries. I also invite you to subscribe to my YouTube channel, C.T. Johnson Ministries, also known as Prophetic Voice TV, for 24-hour, 7 days a week of prophetic empowerment. 
And lastly, be sure to watch my national television broadcast, Prophetic Voice, on Dominion TV, airing Tuesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Thursdays at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Watch the broadcast via Roku, Apple TV, or by downloading the Dominion TV app from your Apple or Google Play Store or via the website dominion.tv. Tune in next week as we boldly and unapologetically share God's point of view.